So glad you're here with us. It is encouraging to look out and see so many of us who are back. It's encouraging to look online at the different numbers that we've been seeing of how many of you are connecting and watching online, listening to the services at different, sometimes right when we're live streaming, other times throughout the week. And uh, just so grateful that you're being the church when it's difficult to come back to church. But I'd say for, we're starting to turn a corner. I, I, God is doing something very special here. And uh, it's been just wonderful to watch what the Lord's been speaking and how he's been carrying us forward. And I want to encourage you, uh, for those of you that maybe either you've already had COVID or you've begun the process of getting inoculated or that you take that step. And especially for some of you that are just kind of, you've created a bad habit of just not coming to church, not watching church, and you're watching now, my encouragement to you is, is, is cross over that line, step in. I think that that's going to be a theme more that God warms us up to. But I've got a theme here that we've been talking through from the book of Deuteronomy. And we've been talking about the prophets. And I feel the Lord kind of interrupted my uh, flow of chapter by chapter to bring a specific word regarding the prophet from Deuteronomy 18. And if you have your Bible, if you have your phone, if you have your Android, there you go, Kevin. Not everybody has iPhones, all right? So if you've got your Android, and you turn to Deuteronomy 18, verse 15, we're going to read in a moment here. If you've been here for any period of time, you've noticed we have a, uh, a, a, a discipline. That we, we don't just kind of just go through series and um, just kind of, you know, whip up creative phrases and that rhyme and connect. And, but we really are very firm that... God needs to be heard. His voice needs to be heard, not just in our daily lives and our reading, but we need to be preaching the word. And that's what the Apostle Paul said, preach the word. So we've, we went through the book of Romans a while back. We were going through Psalms during the, the, the shutdown. We've jumped now into the book of Exodus, but I felt there's a topic that needs to be talked about. Recently this week, a friend of mine came up to me and he said, you know, Pastor Paul, you're, you're, I, feel like, I feel like God wants me to just tell you that sometimes you just work so hard at trying to be nice and considering and considerate and, you know, making sure that you're not offending anyone or softening that. And God wants you to know he's given you his word. You have the word of the Lord. You're hearing from God. Speak it confidently. And this morning as I came into church, my wife, being the wonderful, perfect person from my life, looked at me and she said, two words for you when you speak a message like this is humility and courage. Be humble, but be courageous. And so my prayers is that God's going to take those words that have come from people dear in my life that I believe God's speaking to me to get across a very challenging subject that actually could be cherished in our lives here and in our community as a part of who we are, and that is the voice, the prophetic voice of God from God's people. And so if you'd just allow me one more time to pray, I'm going to ask God to help me here. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you to take this empty vessel and fill it with your truth. I pray that you would, you would just be heard. Don't let one of my words fall to the ground, Lord. Let the word of the Lord be heard here today, and I pray that we would mix it with faith and see results in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. In the past uh, couple of years, but this is really nothing new, there has been a very strong obsession with the prophetic voice. I believe with all of my heart that God has given us prophets, and God has given the church the gift of prophecy. And so what I want to do is, I believe that you need to know God for yourself, and there are so many voices out there that you need sometimes to just be rooted and grounded in some truths. And I think that some of the things I'm going to share here are going to be helpful for wherever you at are and wherever you are on the gambit of this. But we're going to be using God's word to speak it. Let me start here by reading chapter 18, starting verse 15. I'm going to go to verse 22, and let me just say this. There's two prophets in this that it's talking about. There's a big prophet with a capital P where Moses is saying, I'm a prophet, and God is going to bring you another capital P prophet, Jesus, and you are to listen to him. But then he steps back and he begins to talk about the fact that there are many prophetical voices that are out there, and the people are going to say, well, how in the world do we know 
big P and little P and whether they're talking about if they're talking for God or not. And he says, well, let me give you some, some road signs, some guardrails to help you to identify those things. And we're going to just take the message where it goes from here. So let me start right here. Verse 15. The Lord your God will raise up from you a prophet like me from among you from, among you from your brothers. Listen to that real quick and hear me. The prophetic voice of God, the person that has the ability to hear something unique, specific, and clear from God, and then get the courage to speak it directly and specifically into somebody's life, is a gift. And it needs to be at work in our community, and it should be at work in our community, but it shouldn't be abused. But understand this, that God raises up prophetic voices from among your brothers. That means us here. We talk about know God, find freedom, but discover purpose and make a difference. Some of you have a purpose of a prophetic voice. You have a gift of hearing specifically from God and getting that courage. And you know what? It happens in very strange ways. Sometimes it happens where all of a sudden somebody keeps coming to mind and you're praying about them and you're praying about them and you're praying about them. And then finally you pick up the phone and you call them and you say, hey, you've been coming to my mind a lot and I've been praying for you, and I feel like God, God wanted me to call you up to, to encourage you and pray with you. That's a, that's, that's a step in the prophetic direction. Then there's somebody like a Jeremiah, somebody who God uses to, to speak to the direction of the results of a sinful nation and the consequences of that. And it seems like, while lately it would seem like that many people have been obsessed with the prophetic voice, um, it's not anything new. And so as I go back here, let me continue at verse 16. Just as you desire, just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you, let, when you said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see great fire anymore lest I die. And the Lord said to me, this is right, what you have spoken. He's referring back to when he got the Ten Commandments, and the children of Israel were right at the base of the mountain. And he said, come here, the Lord's going to speak to you. And then the earth began to shake, thunder and lightning. When you hear the voice of God's mercy through his son Jesus, you will weep and thank him and pour your love and appreciation on him and say, I'm yours forever. But if you hear the mighty voice of God Almighty thunder, you will beg him never to touch your ears again. There's a reason why the Lord says the fear of the Lord. Take the greatest, purest form of holiness and justice and mix it with the greatest purity of love. And you put those two together and that's the Father and the Son delivered by the Holy Spirit. That's an overwhelming experience. And I think it's been too long since the church as a whole has encountered that kind of presence of God. And I believe, just like a friend of mine said to me in private recently, God's going to do something new and something special in church that you need to be here for. I believe with all of my heart that that precious and powerful and pure presence of God is going to begin to visit us again. And you can't fabricate that, and it doesn't mean it's going to happen just because I said it. But I think that God is refining us through his word, opening our hearts, opening our ears, letting us understand the simple gospel is a gospel of grace and forgiveness. We're never going to be good enough, but we're inspired to be the people God wants us to be because of that love and forgiveness he gives us. That brings that kind of powerful presence. And those people said, please, Moses, you hear from them. And so Moses said this. He says, the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up from them a prophet like me or like you from among your brothers. And I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command. That we know is speaking in the future to Jesus. Think about the ministry of Jesus and Moses. Moses left royalty, became a shepherd, and led God's people into God's law. Jesus left royalty, became a shepherd of people, and went up on the mountain of Beatitudes and gave the virtues of the kingdom of heaven. Both Moses brought the Jewish people into a covenant relationship. Jesus has brought anybody whosoever will that wants a relationship with God Almighty can boldly come before his presence, false and all, with mercy and love and power and hope because of Jesus. 
Jesus is, 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 Moses is, is a prototype of who Jesus is. This is the capital P prophet. But then we have all through the Bible prophets. Some wrote books, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. Some didn't write books, Elijah, Elijah, and all of these different people we could reflect on. But the world's been obsessed with prophecy. And so he goes on and he says, let me just protect my people here and give you some boundaries. And he said, verse 19, he said, whoever will not listen to the words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. In other words, he says, if, if God gives a prophetic word and you hear that, God gives you a command, God's truth, God's word, let's keep it to, we could just say simply scripture, but you, we could say even beyond that, if God is giving you a, a prophetic word from his word and you choose not to respond to it, hey, it's on you. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. Now, we are not in a theocracy. Neither is Israel, by the way. Israel has a prime minister. Right now, it's Benjamin Netanyahu, I think. And the Knesset is the Yachad, the, 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 their Congress and Senate and that kind of thing. But at this time, God was their king. Moses was their priest and prophet and they were his people, and at this time, it was so serious and important to God that if somebody were a false prophet and said, hey, listen, Jesus is really great, but like right here, you can worship all these other things. And, and, and in those days, it was like people were passing their children through the fire. They were buying idols and keeping them in their pocket as good luck charms. Um, the New Testament says I, greed is as the sin of idolatry. I mean, different strokes for different folks. But he's saying, listen, he says, when it comes to my servants and my word, they will never lead you anywhere other than to Jesus Christ, period. Jesus always gets glorified, and if somebody is a prophet, and they're claiming to be a prophet, and the attention is on them, and the money is on them, and the accolades are on them, I really, really question if that is a prophet of God. And you should too. Because God said to us through Moses, if they lead you to other gods, if they're, if they're saying, hey, yeah, here, I've got a... And, and notice one of the words is that they say something that God doesn't say. They, have you ever had somebody say something that wasn't true to manipulate you? Now imagine mixing that with religion. That's just gross. We've seen heroes fall through the decades. Some of you are too young to remember 8-Tracks and uh, Vinyl Records and Jimmy Swaggart and Jim Baker. I actually had a conversation with Jim Baker after he came out of prison. It was the televangelist. One fell through money, one fell through immorality. Just through the decades here, we've got all kinds of ministers that have fallen. And I'm not saying this to, to that I'm, this pleases me, but to reflect and talk about Pastor Ted Haggard, who was doing meth in hotels with, with other men, having relationships with them. And we could talk about, we could talk about here of the great mega church movement with Bill Hybels that resigned and just recently, which grieves me to even say this, Robbie Zacharias, listen, we've tried everything. Men will let you down. All men have feet of clay. All prophets can stand tall and shout loud, but at the end, they're only as good as the thing that we are made of, of dirt. And if you put your hope in an individual, be careful that Jesus is the only one that you exalt and lift up and not man because you will be disappointed. The televangelist disappointed us. The, the intellectual apologist disappointed us. The megachurch movement disappointed us. And yes, even the prophetic movement will disappoint us. But that does not mean that a large church, that a person broadcasting, or that somebody that moves in the prophetic should not be heard or should not be in, uh, uh, encouraged because the Bible says, despise not prophecy. And the problem is, is that while we have all of these bad examples, I feel that the Holy Spirit would say to us, be careful that you don't throw out your kid with the tub water and when you're cleaning the drain because, because this is something that God has given us. The devil always takes something that's a gift from God and twists and perverts it 
in such a way that we want to give up hope in it. But he says, no, no. He says, be careful that they don't lead you astray. But then he goes on, he says this. And if you say in your heart, how may we know the word that the Lord has, uh, a word that the Lord has not spoken? I mean, I could get up right now and say, Jim Jensen, you are going to be a millionaire. The Lord wants you to go downtown and get 75 scratch tickets. Some of you think God speaks like that. And so, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, well, not really, actually. So, so I, could, I could say all kinds of stuff. I could be like, Anthony, you're going to get married. You're already married anyway. I could say all kinds of stuff. How do I know if that's a word from God or not? Like Pastor Paul, like how do I know like if God's speaking? Well, verse 22, when a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, and if the word does not come to pass or come true... That is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. Now, I think the need not be afraid of him is written in there because Moses is talking about a very powerful prophetic office and power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And we've all seen people who get into power that are maniacal and they manipulate people and situations and control people. We are not interested in this church and controlling your life. We want to inspire and encourage it as best we can, and God is interested in the same thing, but if somebody's always coming up to you with a word and it's not happening, you have to ask yourself, what does the Lord say? How do I tell the difference between a word from God? And that clearly would be something futuristic, right? I mean, if God comes up to you and says, you shall not kill, that's like, we don't have to wait around for that truth. That's a word from the Lord. The Lord has spoken that. But when somebody comes up to you and says, oh, you need to do this, or you need to become that, or you need to move, I think that we are so obsessed with wanting, we are created to want to hear from our maker, so much so that when we cut the voice of our maker off, or we dim the voice of our maker down, because we don't like all the things he has to say, instead of conforming our life to him challenging us to rise to be who he's asking us to be, we dim it down, and we begin to grope and look in all kinds of directions, and sometimes what is a prophetic word is actually us or somebody else speaking presumptuously. Now, I also want to say to this very clearly because there's two types of prophecy that we're going to talk about. There's the office of a prophet, and then there is the gift of the Holy Spirit. We saw the gift of tongues and interpretation this morning, but there's also the gift of prophecy where someone says, God wants you to know this. God wants you to hear this. You can never say to somebody, I've never heard somebody speak in tongues and interpret it. We had it right here this morning. You've heard it. Wouldn't it be amazing to hear a voice, a prophetic voice from God? You hear it if you, you stick with us here. Give us three shots. God will talk to you. But take a look here real quick. <clears throat> this is how obsessed everybody's been. The Egyptians had a book of dreams. So if you had a dream, there, there was a meaning for it. <clears throat> Anybody ever have one of those dreams where you go to work or school and you forgot everything? I mean, like, everything? Okay, I hear a couple of you chuckling, so I know it's a real thing, right? That's supposed to mean something, right? You ever have one of those dreams where all your teeth fall out? Right? That's supposed to mean something. Well, just go to the book of dreams and they'll do it. Here's what's amazing about Joseph. They weren't able to interpret the dream because there was nothing in the book of dreams that could interpret what Joseph did. And they said, there is a man who the spirit of the gods is in him who interprets dream. And Joseph comes in and he puts Jesus in the right place. And he says, listen, Pharaoh, it's God that gives the interpretation. And God is a prophetic God, but, but the, you could go to the uh, Assyrian and Babylonian cultures, and they say, cut out the liver of an animal, and here's how you read it, and this will tell you. And then you could go to the Assyrians, and I have seen, and I have one of these, and there are thousands of texts that are prophetic texts that the king is going to do this, that, and the other thing. And then, in fact, strangely enough, Balaam, who is in the book of Numbers, Moses and the Israelites go toe-to-toe -to -toe with him, and he's, supposed, he's hired to curse the Israelites. He can't curse them. He says, I can't curse them. God's telling me to bless them. The guy's like, I paid you a lot of money to curse them. You're a diviner. You're, you're, you're a sorcerer. You're a, why can't you do it? He says, I can only say what the Lord told me to say. That guy was so famous, we find inscriptions of him all over the world. And I mean, these are just a couple of them that show up. The whole world was filled with diviners, with, with prophecy, with uh, the Greek culture, with the oracles at Delphi. And right in our world today, it's, I believe during the pandemic, like an interest in hearing 
from hearing supernaturally has increased like 40%. I mean, you've got believers that are reading tarot cards and picking up their horoscope and like, I mean, come on, really, like a bunch of stars in the sky are going to tell you what your day is going to be like? I mean, I just say that kind of in jest, but I'm saying that there's something inside of us that is driven to say, I know that there's something bigger than me, and I want to hear from him, and I want to hear from him so badly, but hear from him the way that God said, according to the voice of the prophet. And listen, if you never have anybody prophetically say anything to you, God has said everything he ever needs to say in this book, and it is filled with precious promises, and it's filled with hope, and it's filled with help, and it's filled with wisdom, and it's filled with all kinds of things that will change your life forever if you walk it out, if you follow the shepherd and here are his footprints pick it up and read it so we got the big prophet but then you've got these little prophets and we've got all this but there's the difference between the gift of prophecy which we see in first corinthians 12 13 and 14 versus the office of a prophet think jeremiah think isaiah I mean, these radical people, all the odds are against them. If you have never read the book of Jeremiah, you need to. It will change what you think a prophetic word should sound like. It'll bring you to the foot of Mount Sinai and shake your soul. But I also want to say something according to this passage that I think that we could easily miss. It says that if a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord and the word doesn't come to true, it is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken presumptuously. People speak presumptuously all the time, and it doesn't mean that they're a false prophet or that they are bad people. It just means that we want something sometimes so badly that somewhere between our emotion of the situation and our desire for something to happen, they mix together and we think maybe, just maybe, God's saying this. I'll give you an example of it from my life. Incredible, incredible mentor for my wife and I is my wife's youth pastor. His name was Bob Iris. Every time I have spoken to a young adult or a young man, I'll always put my hand when I'm speaking deeply into their life, I'll put my hand behind the back of their head and I'll look at them. And I realized in this journey, I do that because that's what this man Bob Iris did to me. It was just precious, intimate. He was all man. He was like velvet-covered steel. He was all man, but yet he was just compassionate Jesus. And he came down with cancer. Now, I, 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 I love, back in the day... Uh, Times Square Church. I had close relationship with different people that were there. My friend Chuck Zerley got run over by a car, and while he was in the hospital, Don Wilkerson, Dave Wilkerson's son, came into the hospital. His wife Patty's there, um, and he walks in, and he reads a verse from the book of Acts, and he says, this sickness shall not lead to death, but to the glory of God. And I'm in this giant gathering of 5,000 youth at a national convention and I'm weeping over my mentor passing and all of a sudden it was like hope rose within me and I thought of that moment in that verse and I just turned to my wife I said this sickness is not going to lead to death it's going to lead to the glory of God it's going to lead to the glory of God I just had that hope and then finally he went through one round of chemotherapy he said either the Lord's going to hear me he's going to take me but I can't I can't take this and he ended up passing away what did I do? I spoke presumptuously. Was that evil? No. My heart was broken. I loved this person. What's interesting is I still have great relationship with their whole family. In fact, his wife shut down for a year. She wouldn't even go out. She ended up getting out, getting remarried. In fact, she was the one that made a lot of the suggestions that we did before we did anything in the sanctuary. She said, get some couches out there. She does interior design. She's helped us with a whole bunch of stuff. Nobody's mad at me or anything like that, but it's easy to speak presumptuously because we're emotional beings. And I think sometimes emotion, desire, and the voice of God, sometimes we're just learning, right? And I want to say this to you as a church first before I, I pound other issues. And you need to hear this clearly from me. 
Nothing would please God more than for you to step out into a gift of the Spirit, to pray for a gift of the Spirit, to step out into a gift of the Spirit, to desire to do it with the right motives for the right reasons in the right way, and maybe it happens wrong. There is grace for that. Because my child didn't take his first steps and then fall down and I kick him across the room like, why can't you walk? Poof, you know, like, you don't do that to children. You have to learn and as one of our board members says all the time, crawl, walk, run. And when I speak to the gift of the Holy Spirit, not the prophetic office, but when I speak to the gifts in Corinthians 12 through 14, there's a chapter in there that people think is put there for marriages, but it's not. It's put there for the use of the gifts of the Spirit. Faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. I will show you a more excellent way. You see, the Corinthians were, were attention-seeking, egotistical, carnal. They were pretty much like the worst church you could ever encounter. They were out of control. There was incest. There was, sorry for using that word with kids here. There was all kinds of stuff that was going on in that place. And he said, Hope, time out. You're trying to be spiritual. Why don't you get moral? And then he says, just for the record, there are spiritual gifts. The gift of wisdom. Man, that gift is used constantly over the telephone, in one-on-one -on -one conversations, in coffee shops, in critical moments in our life. God uses that all the time. The word of knowledge. Somebody comes up to you and says something to you that you just never even, how, how do you know that? It's because God gave them that knowledge. The gifts of the Spirit are a gift from God. And especially with the prophetic word, I feel like the Lord wants you to know because there's so much damage going on, we think we should shy away from that. No, I think we should actually lean into it and give grace and give permission to be able to just learn to crawl, walk, and run with that. I say that to you as your pastor because I believe that God is going to do some great things here. I don't believe that revival has to be loud and obnoxious. Pastor Dylan and I were talking recently, and he said, oh, man, that we would experience a revival that had quiet miracles with loud, lifelong life transformation. Because it always seems like the miracle gets this exclamation point, and then all of a sudden it's like, dude, why do you talk like that to me? <laughs> you know? Like, where's the character? It, re true revival will transform your character. It won't just heal your broken leg and those kind of things, and that's important. But there's a difference between those two. What's the message of a prophet? Think about this for a second. The message of a prophet. Message of a prophet, primarily in the Bible, they foretell. In other words, please don't lean into the prophetic ministry or speaking and saying, thus saith the Lord, if you're not connecting it to this. It's, it, 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 in fact, I always pause when I hear people give me words where there's no scripture connected to it, or they can't, like, I was reading this verse, and it really leapt out to me, and, because this is our guardrail to it. In fact, the word that we heard here at the beginning of service was just loaded with scripture, of, of everything that we've been preaching and talking about with Moses going through the wilderness, and so I think that that's an important part of what we do. But it's not fortune-telling. It's never fortune-telling. You're never going to find God's truth for your life in a newspaper, in a, you know, in, a, in, a, in a palm reader, in a tarot card. And, like, if you're somebody that's, like, following Jesus and doing that, like, take the warning from here where God's saying, like, man, he took it so seriously. He's like, get rid of that person or he's going to poison it. That stuff will draw your life into it in a wrong direction. And and the very thing you want to hear from God, he wants you to get that. But you're not going to find it there. That's not where the voice of the Lord is. But then there's forth-telling. Now, I would be lying if I told you that the Bible never predicts the future. There's tons of spots. But I would say for every one area where something is predicted in the future, there's about ten areas where God is pointing back to his word saying, hey, get your life right. Get your heart right. Get, change your life. I'll never forget um, years ago when my mom called me randomly and I pick up the phone and I'm like, hey, mom. She's like, listen, I was at church and the pastor was in the middle of preaching and I said, hey, I, I feel like we need to pray for my son and his wife 
I, I don't know why, the pastor said to her, looked back at her right away and said, I was just thinking the same thing. And she said, the church went from being in the middle of a service, like right at a moment like this, to a concert of prayer where they're calling out my wife and I and our names to, to, to Jesus, saying, Lord, touch them, help them. And then after that, a few, uh, whether it was a few hours or so later, the phone rang, and uh, it, was, it must have been at least a day later. The, the, the phone rang, we picked it up, and it was a doctor's office, and they said, we need you to come in, Diana, because we think that you have a brain tumor. And the thing that my mom said on that phone call that made everything kind of more hopeful was this. She said, I don't, I don't know what you're about to go through, but whatever it is, I feel like God wants you to know it's going to be okay. And that's exactly what we heard at the beginning of service, right? I'm the good shepherd. I know your needs. I'll lead you through the dry place. Let's not deny the dryness around us, but let's make sure that we're keeping our eye on the good shepherd and we're following him and we're not questioning him. Like, hey, I thought this was going to be a good ride. I thought we were going to get to the food quicker. Where's the drink? You know, where's the peanuts? Don't even serve lunch on this ride anymore. Come on, what's right? Like, like, keep your eyes on him. Like, God, sometimes the prophetic ministry, when God does that, it's usually to prepare you for something you're going to go through. Now, I, I, I don't want to over-sensationalize this, but this is one that I just have to absolutely share with you. Um, in the New Testament, let me, let me just digress for just a moment here. All throughout Scripture, uh, there are three basic titles that are used for prophets. There's just the standard Navi, the prophet, the one who, who with God's spirit bubbles out God's word. There's the, there's the um, perceiver, I love this. It's in the book of Habakkuk, and it says the, the oracle that the prophet Habakkuk did see, or the vision the prophet Habakkuk saw. And you realize that that word actually means he's looking out at the culture. He's looking, out at, he's looking up at the God he knows. He's looking into the word, and he's saying, Lord, this is what, there's something wrong here. And he begins to have a conversation with God, and then it ends with him, and he says, God, it doesn't matter what you do. It's who you are. I'm going to trust you regardless. So there is sometimes a prophetic unction that comes from you looking at the culture and looking around you, and, and that's, that's a prophetic kind of like a, you see it, it's clear, you need to speak to it, and so you speak God's truth into the situation. But then there's a third word that's used called the seer. And it was, it's uniquely used for Samuel, but it's somebody that just sees things ahead of time. I would say that probably Ezekiel was that kind of guy. If you look at Ezekiel, he had all these weird visions. Daniel, he had all these weird dreams. But Samuel, that word's used there, and it says this. It says that in 1 Samuel 9, 9, formerly in Israel, when a man went to inquire of the Lord, they said, come, let us go to the seer, for today's prophet was formerly called the seer. They have a gift to be able to see around the corner. Now, I've shared this story before, but I want you to see this. Those are the signs, and I took that picture when we put the signs up on the door, when we were telling everybody we were shutting down for several months because of COVID, and, and uh, I have to say nothing, no credit to me, to Pastor Dylan, to Kevin, to uh, uh, Thomas, to Adam, to the media team. Like, they, they have turned the online experience into a great thing, and, and we're so grateful for them. But when this first started, I didn't know what in the world I was going to do. So I put that sign up. Well, here's the story. Go back two months to January, and I get a phone call from a woman in our church named Charity. And she says, Pasta. She's from, she's from Kenya. I love her accent. I love when she prays, too. She scares me. That's when you know somebody prays good, right? She goes, I had a dream last night that, that there was a rock concert in the church, and there were people on the platform, but they weren't our people, and they were playing, like, rock music, and, and, and then you put up a sign on the door that said that we're closed for three months. I, I don't know what it means, but I just forget I tell you. God bless. Bye. So she's usually really quick. Sometimes she calls me up and she tells me a dream and I'm like, oh, Charity, that's just like pizza. And she chuckles it off because you know why? Uh, somebody who wants to be used by God in this way needs humility. You need to be able to say, maybe that's just me perceiving or whatever. So there have been several times where she's called me and I've said stuff and she's like, yeah, no, no, Pastor, that's, that's, that's not it. But she just said that and you know what I did? I held on to it and I said, I wonder what this is. And then all of a sudden, after I put up the sign, I turned to the left and these lights that we have up here are not originally ours. They come from Impact Church because while I was putting that sign up, there was a church of young people that we allowed to film in here because they couldn't film in the public school. They weren't able, they had nowhere to meet. And I want you to just capture this moment. 
all of a sudden, I look out, and I look at the group on the band, and they're not our people, and they're rocking it out. And then I look out at the door, and I say, oh, my goodness. And I pick up the phone, and I said, Charity, look at this. And I show what's going on on the platform, and I show the sign. I go, this is what you saw. This is what you saw. Listen to this. This is those young people praying. say this is your future you need to do this or you need to do that well God said make sure you keep an eye on it because if it doesn't come to pass they're probably speaking presumptuously and in some cases people can be obnoxiously speaking like this and you definitely don't want a voice like that in your life but you know what it told me we're gonna be okay and we've been okay in fact just yesterday just this past week pastor Dylan was with one of the leaders in our district and they're talking about numbers and he said so how many people are coming back to your church that's what pastors do how many people are in your church right that people ask your business like so what was your what were your figures this year you know what was your what was your overhead and you know and, and he he said oh wow he goes how are you counting them and he said well when you watch online those of you that are watching online we only count one person which is probably a smart way to do it and he said, your numbers are the only numbers I trust in the district. He said, in, Newton, in Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Connecticut, everybody else is counting one view as like three people. Oh, there's got to be a family there. But we don't want to doctor things up, and we don't want to fill our ego with, and we also don't want to have empty hope, but yet this room is filled with so many of you, and there's room for so many more of you, and, and there is room for online service as well. But you know what? I take comfort in the fact that I didn't need to create a prep package for that. Charity wasn't giving me a word from God to say, you know, okay, do this or talk to that. There was nothing I could do about it. It was just, it, it was one of those moments where I got to there just like when my mom called me, I was able to pause and say, this is God trying to tell me it's going to be okay. And that is usually what the prophetic word is. Jeremiah, all the prophets will give these hard words and say, you have, you have, re you have rejected my voice. You have, you have, piled sin and created ways of doing evil you've you've said to stuff that is good and called it evil and things that are evil you've called them good you are messed up you're forcing my hand to judge you i'm sending a nation against you and all these things i mean you got to read the book of jeremiah you haven't heard the full counsel of god till you read jeremiah you need that book in your life and and that will round off what god's love voice is god loves you so much he's willing to hurt you in order to help you and then in the midst of all of that, they always give this one word. They say, I will raise up a remnant. There's always a remnant. You see, I believe within my heart that many of you in this room, you are a part of a remnant. You love Jesus. You know that you're not perfect. You're not trying to pretend that you are. You realize that you're not getting to heaven because you're going to become a better person or you were ever good enough of a person. You realize that there's no reason that God should let you in, but that's why he died. And you understand that the, the reason why you live for him and you're stopping to live for for yourself is because you're grateful for what Jesus did for you. You take eternity seriously. You take Jesus seriously. You take your relationship with God seriously. And you might not be the person you ought to be, but you're choosing to not be the person who you used to be. That's what a relationship with Jesus looks like. That's what a remnant looks like. And you come out every time and you're like, God, I need more of you in my life. I need less of that girl. I need to stop sharing a bed with somebody that isn't wearing my ring. I need to stop smoking this and snorting that and I need to begin to take in your word and your spirit. I need to drop these friends and need to find some new ones. I mean, that's what this whole thing about following the shepherd, he chooses the direction you go. And some of you are wandering all over the place because you're not in step with his word. And he's saying, get back in step with my word. Get in step with my spirit. 
Prophets came from all kinds of walks of life. Amos is like, I was neither a prophet nor the son of a prophet, but the Lord told me to prophesy. You could be a fireman, an electrician, a bulldoze worker, a nurse. The gift of the prophet is when, when it's spoken in the New Testament, and yes, it's in the New Testament, in Ephesians 4, he gave apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers. These people, these are gifts that he's speaking to to the church of Ephesians, which would mean that Paul would come into, the apostle Paul could come into Lowell Assembly and say, hey, some of you are apostles, some some of you are prophets, some of you are pastors, some of you are teachers, so that you can get the church doing what it needs to do, being the church. Some of you have gifts of the Spirit, the gift of wisdom, the gift of mercy, the gift of the miraculous, the gift of faith. When everybody's lost hope, you have no doubt that God's going to do it, and it was you that carried 50 people through that door of a good thing with God because God dropped that faith, and somebody said, I can't see God, but I see God in them, and I'm following them. We need these things in our church. We need them in our life. In the New Testament, there was a man, Agabus. He went up to the Apostle Paul, and he put a belt. He went up to the Apostle Paul. He actually took Paul's belt off of his hands. Like, that freaked me out. Don't touch my belt, <laughs> you know? Judo. Like, don't do that. Like, all of a sudden, he takes his belt, he wraps Paul's hands, and he says to him, he says, this is what the Gentiles will do to the man that wears this belt. They will take him and imprison him. And the Ephesians are weeping, saying, Paul, please don't go to Jerusalem. Please don't go. They believed that word. And it, it was fulfilled. He went to Jerusalem. He was arrested. But why? Because Paul also had a word from God that I will bring you before the Gentiles and you will be a witness for me. And the Apostle Paul stood before the emperor of Rome because he was willing to follow the shepherd through a dry desert. I'm going to say one more thing here, and then I'm going to wrap up with a closing thought. But let me just talk about the gifts of prophecy instead of the prophetic office. If you look at 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, you should read them today. But listen to 14, 1. Pursue love, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Here's a word from God for you. Pursue love. But also ask God, say, God, would you please speak through me? into somebody's life. Do you know, I was really discouraged this week, and I'm kind of like, eh, I'm holding back on things and wondering if my words are just going, and somebody comes in my office, a friend of mine, it was actually Bob, and Bob came in and he goes, Pastor Paul, I feel like God spoke to my heart and wanted me to remind you to say, you, you don't have to question it. You're hearing from God. Speak with confidence. Because if you don't, he'll find somebody else who will. I mean, it's rare that I get that, but Think about this, 1 Corinthians 4, 20, 14, 29. Listen to this. Let two or three prophecies speak and let others weigh what is said. What, when somebody starts prophesying or giving tongues or anything like that, I know there are about 10 people in this room that are mature, some of the Bible college professors, friends, elders in the church, and we're sitting there, we're like, you know. I had a friend that was at Brooklyn Tabernacle. He was home for the weekend. It was uh, Hector Torres. I don't know if you remember Hector. And so they went downstairs into the basement, and they had a birthday party for him, a quiet birthday party, Church of 4,000. How do you get away with that? It's hard. So a few people found their way in there, but then all of a sudden they stop, and they say, we're going to pray for Hector, that God's spirit would be on him. He's a pastor now. And they, they start praying for him. And Pastor Jim's like, God, we pray your hand would be on him. And then all of a sudden, this, somebody starts uttering in tongues. And then this person that wandered in... And, all of a sudden goes, the Lord would say to you today, happy birthday! <laughs> like, <laughs> we, we don't need weirdness. It's already strange enough that we take the risk for these kind of things to happen, but don't let the imbalances or the abuses that you've seen or the character flaws of the people that are overinflated keep you from doing what Paul said. Pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts. And listen, let me tell you something. They need to be gifts that uplift. Prophecies speak to people for their upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation. 1 Corinthians 4.3. Let me tell you, I, this week I shared this story about Charity and her dream, and I was sharing it with about 250 pastors. I don't know if they were all on, but there were a lot of us there. And at the end, I just said, hey, listen, let me share what happened in COVID. And I think ramp up is going to be as difficult as, as shutdown was for us as leaders. But I said, we just can't lose sight of the prophetic voice in our life. And I hung up 
And I got an, a call in the office from a missionary, Max Brockmeyer. Max Brockmeyer, when I met him, I saw him. He only had, he has half fingers and half toes, like halfway across. And so me being the incredibly politically correct person that I was, I'm like, my goodness, Max, what happened to you? Did you grow up in Chernobyl? And so that's just me, you know? And so he looks at me and he goes, uh, he goes, I was adopted from there, yes. And I start laughing, and I go, oh, my goodness, Max. And he goes, it's all right. He's a very dear friend. I love him dearly. But he calls me. He goes, Pastor Paul, when you were sharing about that, he says, I'm in Europe right now, and I don't want to say that I'm a missionary from America because of all the madness that's going on with the prophetic ministry. He says, it's almost like impossible for me to start talking Jesus. And the moment that I say missionary from America, he says, I want to go around and say I'm a missionary from Canada. And here's why he said it. He said, Pastor Paul, you know how many times in my life people came up and predicted that I would grow fingers and toes? Do you know how discouraging that is? Do you know how disappointing that is? He says, anybody can say something like that. And that's the danger with prophetic ministry. You better be careful with your words. Don't just throw them around there because you'll ruin and shatter people's hope. He said, and I said, yeah, it would have been good, Max, if somebody came up to you and said, let's pray that God does this miracle for you. And it happens. So when you run around presumptuously throwing stuff out there and you mean well, I mean, like a, a broken clock is right twice, twice a day. You're going to hit some of them. But God set that standard. But we also, don't, we also need to know that when our, we are pursuing love and we're earnestly desiring the gifts, that we need to also understand, and especially when it comes to prophecy, that there is a mature and an immature use of it. For instance, in between chapter 12 and 14, that chapter 13 is not there for marriages, it's for the gifts of the Spirit. Paul says, let me show you a more excellent way. What's that excellent way? He said love. Love is patient, love is kind, it's not rude, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered. You can get angry, but it's not easily angered. It doesn't seek its own good. Corinthians were totally anything but chapter 13. 12 and 14 were easy, 13's the difficult one. And if you're operating in a ministry like that, you need to be operating out of a disposition of love and teachability. But it needs to be uplifting. And you exercise self-control because 1 Corinthians 14, 32, it says the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. If any, and then here's the thing, is, is that when somebody steps out in a prophetic ministry, you're instantly accountable to the leadership of this church. Uh, and that's not a scare statement, but that means that if you're stepping out and you're saying things that... Paul says it, if anybody does not recognize this instruction that I've given, he shall and she shall not be recognized. You see, there's an order in this church, and God's put leadership. I've given 30 years of my life to ministry. I, I've paid so much in education that my wife wants a refund. Like, this church, our church is filled with Bible college professors that just are amazing, amazing people. So walk humble, but don't walk in fear. Know that it's okay. Like that pastor, I wanted to see him healed. I didn't want to say goodbye to him. You know why? Because that same day that my mom called and said, I don't know what you're going to go through, but whatever it is, God wants you to know it's okay. After we went to the doctors, we went into the office, and the doctor said to my wife, you're not going to be able to have kids and as soon as we went to the church, because I was a youth pastor there, I had to leave the doctor's office. We had to run right off to church after getting slapped with that news. He walks up to us as we get in the door, and he looks at my wife, and he says this. He goes, Diana, you trust me, right? And he looks at me. He's like, Paul, you trust me. And my wife was like, with my life. And he lifts up her shirt, and he puts his hand right here, and he says, God, I don't know why, but I pray you bless her children. Who does that? Not the newspaper, not a fortune cookie, not a tarot card. Lord God Almighty, he has a voice, and it's from among us, our brothers. And God understands how I would presume to want to see him not pass. And it's okay. And it's okay for you to step in those directions. I'm gonna ask, uh, the crew to come up here as I close, and this is my closing thought. 
There are marks. There are things in a handout that we gave out that you could just study that for weeks. The Church of Berea, that's my kind of church. It says that they always heard what was spoken and they diligently searched the scriptures, not their attitudes, not their opinions, not their policies and their perspectives. They searched the scriptures to see whether it was true or not. And they were putting Paul every week coming back saying, what about this, what about that, what about that? In Titus 3, 10, and 11, there's a very firm warning. It says, as for a person who stirs up division after warning them once and then twice, have nothing to do with them, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful and they are self-condemned. That really is speaking to teachability. You You could pretty much, you know, just blow it here and just be broken and be like, Pastor, I just... I meant the right thing to happen. Like, you'd get a hundred more chances at that. But pride, when you know something that everybody else doesn't, when you look at somebody and say, you're wrong, I'm right, when everybody else has a different opinion than you. Now, I have to say something, and I mean this with all of my heart. I don't feel that I've ever had anyone in our church who would be called a false prophet. That's a very strong accusation. But I would say that there have been times where people have spoken presumptuously. I've done it. But God wants you to eagerly desire that he speaks to you so that you can speak to people. And I think that teachability has been a challenge. When people are kind of like, well, I know something that you don't, how much more could you know? Like, seriously, like, I've got a doctorate degree, I've got 30 years in it, and if I don't have the answer, I've got like five friends in this room I could call that have it, and if they don't have it, we could call up 50 other people. There's so much experience and stuff like that. Why, the Bible, the Bible talks about like following not only the good shepherd, but following the shepherd that's there. Like, like, why can't we have a conversation? Why can't people say stuff like, I might be wrong on this, but I feel, in fact, I think it's a great thing for you to step out if you do to say, I think this is the Lord. I'm not sure, but, but I really feel like, you know what it's like when I've heard people timidly doing that and then I'm able to go up and be like, that's absolutely God. You need to share that. That's what God did or taking a word like what charity did and just sharing it with everyone and saying, hey, listen, God speaks to us prophetically. But in Ezekiel chapter 33, 1 through 6, he says this, he says, he says to him, he says, Ezekiel, he says, in a city in the ancient world, there were walled cities. If you wanted to be protected when the army came, they would put a ram's horn to their mouth. They called it a trumpet. It's a ram's horn, a shofar, and they'd blow it. And if they blew that, that was the warning to everybody outside that were farming, that were, that were picnicking, get in, death is on its way. And God uses this as a metaphor. He says, you are a watchman. And if you see people out there and you see the enemy coming and you put the trumpet to your mouth and they do not come inside and take you seriously, that's on them. But then he says to Ezekiel this, he says, if you take that same trumpet and you see the enemy coming, but you don't blow that trumpet, you don't speak my word, you don't rebuke, you don't correct, you don't, you don't exhort, you don't do that, that blood is not on them, that's on you. And in Bible college, I'm next door at my house and it's time for me to go back to my third semester. And my best friend growing up was there and his mom caught us and we did so many bad things. And we were just bad kids. I don't think she'd take anything seriously, I said. And the Holy Spirit just starts prompting me and I close with this, prompting me. Paul, tell her about my son. Tell her about me. Tell her about my work on the cross. And I'm like, that's my friend John Wolanski's mom. She's never going to listen to me. Are you crazy? Like, no. And then all of a sudden, it was like a thought that was a shout that wasn't mine in my head. Paul, tell her about me. And then finally, it was like a scream. Paul, tell her about me. And I flat was like, definitely not. Next time, I said. And I hopped in my car, went back to campus, got in my room, set down my bag. They had a phone in the hall, and someone said, hey, there's a call for you, Paul. I pick up the phone. It's my friend John. And he's saying, Paul, my mom's dead. She died in a car accident. 
You see, the ministry of a prophet is not only to encourage, exhort, but the office of the prophet looks out into the landscape of the culture and the world around us. And I know that there are a lot of people out there speaking all kinds of prophetic words of this, that, and the other thing in hope, but I wanna tell you something in my spirit, more like Habakkuk than, than a vision. I've seen no vision or anything, I just sense it in my heart. You could take all the wars of Vietnam, Iraq and Afghanistan and Korea and squeeze them together and most of the battles in World War I and World War II were how many people that died in all of those wars in one day. And I sense in our culture that things are not going to be puppy skittles rainbow. I sense that difficult times are coming and I'm not prophesying that there's a war but you look at the landscape of our culture and our world. It's ripe for it. And I am not putting my hope in my go bag and I'm not putting my hope in my 401k and I'm not putting my hope in my strength and I'm not putting my hope in my brown belt and I'm not putting my hope in my connections. God always has a remnant and you are that remnant. And here's what God says every time when he says to them, I will take a third by the sword. I will take a third by the plague. I will take a third into captivity. He says, but I will have a remnant. People who want my presence, people who seek my face, people who say I need to change. God doesn't need to change. I need to change. People that will call on him. And recently somebody came up to me. It was, it was charity. I'm just going to name call you all day. Charity called up. She sent me a text when I preached last week and I talked about if my people who who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and uh, turn from their wicked ways and seek my face I'll forgive their I will hear from heaven forgive their sins and heal their land she said we're not doing it we're not doing it how many of you here could stand up and say I am seeking God with all of my heart I'm crying out to God for my family I'm crying out to God for my children I'm walking straight in a crooked world and I believe that God is calling us as a church to be a church that cries out to God that calls up and says oh God with a heart of love make us a prophetic church make us a church that hears clear from you and speaks out into the culture and never puts our hope in this world never puts our hope in power Politics never puts our hope in racial reconciliation, but we put our hope in Jesus and Jesus alone. And if you're putting it in other things, listen, we are not Israel. God is not going to bring, there was one Messiah, his name was Jesus, and he died, and when he comes back again, we don't have to work off of everything because he's gonna wipe it clean, and there'll be no more tears, and there'll be no more sin, and there'll be no more sorrow. Stop trying to make earth heaven. And when people hate you because of the color of your skin or because of where you're from or because of how much money you have or how much money you don't, stop thinking like a carnal person and stop thinking like a child of God and saying, blessed are you when men hate you and revile you and spitefully use you for yours is the kingdom of heaven. It's, it is time we got our eyes off of politics and all kinds of things, and it's time we put our hearts and our life into Jesus. Did I support a Democrat or a Republican in what I just said? Did I denounce any particular group in what I said? No. You know what this pastor's saying? Stop leveraging all of your energy and your spirit that is intended for God and start getting, canvas, start getting calluses on your knees. And then when you get up from that spot, then you'll have something to speak to a nation. There was always a man and a woman of God that shut themselves away and that cried out to God and that soaked the ground with tears. And then when they did that, they heard from God. There are too many people running out there with messages of hate, with messages of division, with messages of opinion, and they're speaking presumptuous. I need to hear the voice of the prophet again. I want to hear the word of the Lord in our country again. I want to see the anointing of the Spirit in our church again. Let's stand to our feet. I'm sorry I took as long as I did. I didn't know any other way to do it, but this is longest service. We've been doing it. Haven't beat the Catholic Church yet. 45 minutes is hard. It's hard. I respect them for that, man. But I think you heard my heart. Seek it. Seek the gifts. Read 
12, 13, and 14. Read Deuteronomy. Stop reading up on all kinds of nonsense and start filling your life with Christ again. Then you'll really have a life-changing move. Then you'll have something to say. Go out of the presence of God and into the presence of men. That's what this world needs. Because the problems that you're giving your heart and the pain that you're feeling for those things, they're real. But they don't need you. They need the voice of the Lord. And he wants to give you his voice. Amen. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we cry out to you. Speak. Your servants are listening. Lord, let the voice of the prophet be heard again. Lord, just as Antioch was known as the church where there were teachers and prophets, may our church, Lowell Assembly, here in the Northeast, become that place. Lord, we continue to hold your word above your name as you said you do. You exalt your word above your name. We're not going to stop preaching books of the Bible. We're not going to stop pausing when you have something specific to say. We are not going to quench the spirit. We are not going to forbid tongues and we are not going to despise prophecy. But we are going to do what you say in those books. Eagerly desire, this is pursue love and eagerly desire the gifts of the spirit. We're going to give room for, for things to be imperfect. We're going to be open to instruction and correction. And we're going to allow you to be you in this place. And hopefully when it's all done, there will be a visitation like never before. We can't make it happen. But Lord, we seek it. In Jesus' name, amen.